Welcome to Kingdom Builders, where you can learn to live on mission for God. If you want to see more people saved and increase your impact on the kingdom of God, this is the place for you. Every week, we will have guests who are actively living on mission for God, and you will hear practical advice on how you can become better at sharing Jesus with your world. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today for uh, Kingdom Builders, where we discover how to live on mission for God. Uh, today, we have a very special uh, guest with us, uh, Mr. Uh, Daryl E. Hall, who is the campus pastor of Elizabeth Baptist Church in Conyers, Georgia, and also has written a very uh, needed book that all of us can use called Speaking Across uh, Generations. Messages that satisfy boomers, Xers, millennials, Gen Z, uh, and beyond. So, uh, thank you for joining us today. What What did you see in both older and younger preachers that sparked the idea for this book? Man, that's a great question, Matthew. First of all, I'm glad to uh, excuse me. First of all, I'm glad to be with you all, and I appreciate you for uh, for having me. I think what I saw was a genuine desire to be effective with people of different age groups without a consistent understanding of how to do that. And so one of the things that inspired me was some of the preachers I look up to, older preachers, I'm watching as they implement certain things that are apparent, um, apparent attempts to connect with the younger generation. So for example, You'll see older preachers change their wardrobe. They may change the aesthetics of their pulpit or platform. Uh, you may see them try to implement more technology uh, in, in their preaching. And, and these things are in the effort of reaching a younger generation, which I'm not saying is, is ineffective. What I'm saying is the right desire and the right heart and the right bowl could be missed because of the wrong approach. And so, you know, my heart kind of broke for some of the older preachers who were like, I mean, phenomenal communicators, but who fear their inability to connect with, uh, with millennials and Gen Z, alpha and younger generations. And I heard one preacher who I particularly admire, and I use him in my, in my research, he doesn't know this, but I heard him, him lament out loud that he felt like he was losing his connection and he thought that his one last string or straw of connectivity was his ability to use metaphor effectively. And by this time, I was already knee deep in the research, and I wish I could have screamed out from my seat in the audience. That's not it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's not just your use of metaphor, you know, but here is what it is. Be encouraged. You're a magnificent preacher. Here's how you can continue to be effective. That was one thing. Then what I saw from younger preachers like myself is I saw us preparing ourselves in the academy, preparing ourselves domestically in our family life, preparing ourselves to pastor and lead churches. And quite frankly, uh, you know, we were we were too young to lead. And so when I watched some of my peers start to get get churches and leadership opportunities you know, in congregations with old, old enough to be parents and grandparents like myself in my congregation, I, I realized that pressure of wanting to be serious and to be respected, but also to be youthful and how that can put you in an in a, in a internal tug of war of who do I be? How do I approach this so that 
you know, the older people I'm pastoring will respect me in this in this role. Well, uh, you know, that that's a good point. I mean, you know, like for example, <clears throat> me, I'm I'm about to turn 30. So I'm an old man now. Um, but uh when I started at my church, you know, I was around 23 or 24, you know, and and you do have older congregation members who are in their 80s, you know, it's like you could be their grandchild member, you know. And and I love the idea of this book because it's not only helpful for a preacher. But, you know, you've got grandparents out there who love their their grandkids and yeah. they, they want to know how, how do you communicate, you know, what they need to know. Because the thing is, we all have this important truth, you know, things that we've learned about God that we want to hand off to that next generation. But in order for that to work out, you know, like you say in, in this book and like what it's talking about, we do have to figure out how to connect with them you know what we can do for them to understand you know what what we have learned uh and so one of the things i see you talk about is like you know for example if you have a, a large hispanic presence in your community what are you going to do well you're going to go try to get some rosetta stone you're just going to try to learn how to speak their language because until you do that you're not going to have much uh success with them and, and so I guess the question I would ask is, you know, there, there's probably not a young person, Rosetta Stone, but uh, what, what are some practical things that we can do that can help us, you know, whether we're a grandparent, whether it might be we're an older church member and we see these young people in church and we're like, man, I, I don't know what to do, you know, or if we're a young pastor and we want to speak to the older generations and the younger generation, just what's some, some practical advice on how we could uh, grow in that area? And that's a great question. And you're exactly right. I use that example in my book. Uh, but it's easier, right? It's easier for me at, I'm 35, so I'm older than you. Right. It's easier for me to learn Spanish at 35 because I can go to a dictionary or some kind of, you know, Rosetta Stone, some kind of software that can teach me this new language. Right. It's not easy to know the language of generations because until this point, I don't think the languages have been, have been described in a way that they can be understood. And that was my hope in this book. I tried to name the language of each of the five adult generations uh, in such a way that the reader can understand how to adjust what we're saying and how we're saying it to put it in language that um another generation can understand but some practical things you can do i mean everybody can do this no matter your age or what have you if you are a leader particularly of a church or in a church the easiest thing you can do is host a focus group of all the generations not just the one you hope to reach but all of the generations which means that first we need to have some understanding of the generational breakdowns, which I give in the book pretty much Barner Group, you know, will uh, we give you that. But if you're you're 30 years old, right, Matthew, and yeah. you can look at a congregation and you can break up your roster or your membership or your attendance in the generational brackets according to Barner Group, then you can look at them and say, okay, I want to get at least four to eight representatives from each generation in my church in a room, in a focus group, I'm gonna feed them. I'm gonna have about five open-ended questions for them. I'm gonna ask all generations the same questions. 
and then I'm going to record it and I'm going to listen to what they're saying and try to make sense of the narratives and weave those narratives together in a way where those stories give me insight and wisdom and how to reach them. So if you're a 30-year-old pastor like yourself, 35 like myself, we can do it. Or if you're a 75-year-old pastor, you can do it. And what you'll discover is you're going to learn even more than you thought you knew about the generations you are effectively reaching. And you're going to learn some things that you had never known about the generations that you want to more effectively reach. That's one practical thing you can do. And I lay out how to do that in my book as well, how to host, you know, a focus group in a successful way. Well, and, and I like, you know, the two main principles of what you're talking about there. You mentioned this word called feeding, you know, feeding. Now, feeding is magical. It's amazing how people respond to food, you know. Right. And, and I mean, that's like universal language. Everybody likes to eat. You got to eat or you're going to die, you know. Right. And, and so uh, I think the two things there is you're talking about feeding, showing that hospitality, that love. But also the main idea of this deal, like what you're talking about, is, is actually listening to what these people have to say. And, and I found that, that that is the biggest impact and factor of how a difference is, is going to be made. You know, whether, whether you're a grandfather, a grandparent, a preacher, you know, a church member, you know, if, if you take the initiative to invest in these people's lives um, and listen to what they have to say, then yeah. that, that is going to make a, a big difference. Now, one of the and things I, I want to, let me interject before you next question. Okay. And, and the way to protect that section from becoming a gripe session is to frame the open-ended questions in an affirmative way. Okay. For example, instead of saying, tell me some, tell me some things you don't like about our church. That's a negative open-ended question. Correct. It's a rephrase that in an affirmative way is to say, what are three to five things you would like to see us do more of or to do better in order to become more effective in our mission? See what I'm saying? Okay, like, yes. But frame it in, a, in, a, in an affirmative way so that you guide the spirit of the conversation into a positive thing. Because, it, you know, it can be kind of daunting for a leader. I sit in a room and listen to five, six generations complain about everything we do wrong. <laughs> but go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that, that is a great point because as you was talking about that, bringing this focus group in and asking them five questions, I'm like, man, they are going to come up with some stuff about this right. situation. So that is a great – and really, that's a great life lesson in, in general because people, yeah. man, they – it's all in how you ask the questions, you know, it's all in how you phrase it and frame it and how you approach people. And, and that is a great point that can kind of weed out some of that gripe and complain and unprofitable stuff that, that you, you can get, you know, and, and one of the things that, that, you know, question I have is like, oftentimes you have different generations and the, maybe the older generation wants to connect more with the younger generation, but as the older generation starts to learn some of their lingo and the ways, it just comes off weird, you know, like it, it just does. comes off strange. So like, how, how can people, different generations not be weird with each other? If you get what I'm saying. No, I get exactly what you're saying. And that's something I kind of talk about where 
not only do older preachers change how they dress and the decor in their pulpit, they'll also try to throw in lingo from a new hip song or a new popping song or a new hot song. You see what right. I just did? Hip, popping, hot, whatever adjective your generation prefers to describe a song is good. And it does come off a little hokey. Here's what I'll say. First of all, be, be organic and authentic in owning your own generational culture. Yeah. What do I mean? I'm a millennial. You're a millennial. I don't need baby boomers to try to dress like and talk like millennials to reach me. Correct. Yes. I need you to be comfortable and authentic in all your baby boomerness, right? Right. <laughs> I need completely own your generational culture and perspective. I don't need you to fake like you are in my generation to make us more connected. And so what that does is it comes across as it is very weird. Here's how I think we can counteract that. When we think about what shapes the language of generations, it's not just lingo in popular music or, or, or media. It is, it is the reasoning they use to make critical value decisions. That is where you connect. So what do I mean? Uh, if, if you're, if you're uh, uh, a, gen, a Gen Xer and you want to have a conversation with, with a Gen Zer, right? So that means if you're about, about 50 and you want to have a conversation with somebody who's about 20 as of this recording, right? You don't necessarily need to, you know, use the lingo like no cap. Hey, I really love you. No cap. Hey, Jesus died for you. No cap, right? No cap means I'm right. not lying. That's not the lingo you need to use. What you have to do is study the mindset of, and, and I kind of help to do this in the book, study the mindset of, of Gen Zers. What are they using to process value-based major decisions? And then create unity around that. Mm -hmm. The turnoff is not that you don't know my lingo. The turnoff is you don't understand my mindset. Right. How reasoning and rhetoric shapes the values that I use to make decisions without being judged in the process or, or, or prejudged in the process. And so language, you know, is not just terminology, right? Language right. Is, is dialect, language is reasoning, language is rhetorical approach, language is how, how do I go about persuading? How do I, how do I effectively use language as a persuasive tool? Not how do I throw out a word or two that I think may, you know, right? But, let you know I heard the songs that you. Listen to. <laughs> and and that's right. And one of the things about the younger generation that a lot of people don't realize, I feel like, is is how the thing that they respect the most is authenticity. Yep. And it doesn't matter if your authentic self is pretty rough and messed up. They, man, they relate to that. They, you know, they respect you for being authentic with them, you know, um, and, and just thinking about it, it's kind of amazing that, you know, Jesus, it's been a while since Jesus has physically been on earth, you know, like yeah, it's been, it's been, it's a, been a minute and, yeah. and, and like <laughs> to this day, from the time that he was here to now through scripture and, and his word, like he 
effectively communicates with everybody, you know, yeah. every person like then and now. And, and that is pretty amazing because it is a lot, lot different, you know? Um, so how, what, what do you do, you know, when, when you go to a church or maybe in a group or maybe, maybe it's at a family gathering and you've got all these generations, you got the, the little, um, you know, 10 years old who's going to be a YouTube star. Uh, you know, you got, uh, you know, the 30 year olds with a little family and then you've got grandpa and grandma, you know, they're like 90 years old, you know, or situation in church with all these different ages. And, and you want to tell them something and get them all to understand, uh, how, man, how do you do that? Yeah, man, that's a great question. So, Let's, let's, let's try to follow, you know, the metaphor you laid out. Let's say it's a big family, uh, a, a, a intergenerational family. Right. And there's a message that one of the family leaders want to communicate that everybody can receive. Here's what I would advocate. In any scenario where there are older and younger people present, honor the elders, but focus on the younger ones. Gotcha. Okay, so honor the presence of the age, but focus on the presence of the youth. Here's why. Because in that scenario, the older generations are better able to decipher codes and language and, and work through communication than the younger ones are. So, yeah, in my book, I give what I think are the five different languages. But if I was in a... a, a, a in third generational room, I would lean to the Gen Z millennial language. I would go relational, which is what I believe is Gen Z language, and dialogical, dialogue, which I believe is uh, uh, the millennial language. And so if I wanted to communicate something very important to my family, like, hey, we're going to sell grandma's house. <laughs> no, where are we selling grandma's right, house? Right. If I know that that could upset the family, then I need to lean in relationally, which will bring in Gen Z, and I need to create dialogue, which will bring in millennials, and to do so in a way that is selfless. So I would do something like this. Honor the elders, focus on the younger ones, use the language of the younger generations. Here's how I would say it. Well, guys, I'm so glad we're all here. Uh, you know, today for dinner, we haven't gotten together as a family in a long time. I mean, COVID uh, has been going on and so many other things in our lives have kept us apart. But today we are here and we glad to be here. First of all, I want to start off saying I love you all. So glad to be a part of our family. And I'm so thankful for how God, how good God has been to us, particularly how good God has been to grandma. Grandma has fed us, taken care of us. Right. Now in her later years, and grandma has decided that once she transitions the glory, that instead of us fighting over who gets her house, she wants us to sell her house. No, no, don't sell the house. Right. Pandemonium. Listen, y'all, hold on, hold on, hold on. I understand. Because as soon as grandma let me know this what she wanted, it broke my heart as well. But that's why we're here today. We're here today as a family to connect over what really matters. First of all, the reason this house is important to all of us is because this is where we all grew our relationships. Mm -hmm. We grew to know grandma. Cousins met here before the summer. 
children were raised here, grandchildren were raised here, and our relationships were formed in this place. But understand, even without this place, the relationships that were formed will never be lost. I honestly believe that if we do what grandma has asked us to do, that we can take the lesson she's taught, we can take the revenue from the sale, and we can get creative as a family of what do we do next to honor grandma's legacy, but create a space for our, our younger family members to continue to build our relationships. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna open the floor and I want each of you, if you feel it on your heart to respond, think of some creative ways of even as we, we are sad about thinking about losing grandma's son and ultimately losing her home, how can we not lose the things she taught us? Mm -hmm. like that, right? So I went hyper-relational on that. That's hyper-relational. Right. Like very heartfelt. But relational is the language of, of, uh, of, of Gen Z. And so I have to focus on them because the boomers in the room can decipher the code language in it, meaning, or and Gen X, right? The older, the 50 and older. They, they can decipher. Okay, well, he's talking about selling a home, talking about revenue, focusing on relationships, but we know, we know that, you know, the facts are, this is how much the house is worth, this is how many offspring grandma has, if we kept the house, it'll create more fights than it would anything. Right. How, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. so I think you, you word it and you approach it in a way that the younger ones are brought closer because they, 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 they need the focus more than else. Does that make sense? I just gave an example off the top of my head. No, 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 it, it does. And I like how you said uh, respect, honor, you know, the older men, people, and then focus on the young people. Yep. And, and I think I that's- I about that in my book as well, for churches to do that I, I think that's important because really a lot of, you know, that generation, like, I don't think they mind if you focus on the younger people as long as you respect and honor them like yep. that that's all that they want that's all they desire you know to honor them for all the work that they put in all the faithfulness that they've done you know and and if you do that i found they can be some of your best uh cheerleaders in in your yep. life you know yep. um so what would you say if you had a really young person you know mm -hmm. How, how do they communicate to someone that's significantly older, you know, mm -hmm. on a successful level? Whew, great <laughs> question. Um, you want to give me a scenario? Okay, I will. Uh, so sometimes younger people can look be looked down on because they're really young. And so how, how can they even know what they're talking about? That You know, I have socks older than them. Uh, yeah. So... How, how can you kind of get past some of that biasness? Yeah, yeah, great question. All right, so um, we face that as young pastors with, with older congregants. And I hear the words of Paul to Timothy ringing, right? Let no one despise you because of your youth. But how do I do that? Well, be an example. <laughs> right. Same, right. Be an example indeed in word and the way you carry yourself. So what he's telling his young leader is before you ever try to persuade anyone of your maturity, make it evident 
in the way you carry yourself. Mm. So part of younger people approaching older people uh, is what they can discern about us before we even start talking. Mm-hmm. They sense maturity in us. Do they sense seriousness in us? Do they sense honesty? You know, these traits and values that are cross-generational and that matter for all time. All right, next thing scripture tells us to do is, hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, Uncle Titus, treat the older men as fathers, treat the older women as mothers, treat the younger men as brothers, treat the younger women as sisters in all purity, right? Because right. if I'm approaching someone older, generational language aside, respect has to be apparent. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the way I would approach an older person in any scenario has to be bathed in uh, in respect, you know, for them. Mm-hmm. As it relates to just the brass tax of actual wording, communication, what I want to say, I believe that the language of, of elders, the silent generation, meaning born in 1945 and older, I believe their language is propositional. Propositional. And, and this is all based on research and I shared in the book. I believe the language of boomers is skeptical towards propositions. Meaning boomers prefer to be teased a little bit, but they want it to land in opposition. So if I'm a younger leader and I want to talk to a room full of folk in their 80s, first of all, the way I carry myself before I come in that room matters. Second of all, the respect I show as I enter that room matters. But once I open my mouth, I have to have a proposition that I'm communicating. And if it's in a, relig- uh, a, a church uh, in spiritual format, it has to be a biblical proposition. So, for example, let's say if I want to, uh, oh, okay. let's say if I want to come to my older members, all born in or before 1945, and I want to tell them that the sanctuary we're worshiping in now needs to be remodeled. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to, I don't want to fight about it. And I, I, as a pastor, I've carried myself with, with humility and dignity, and they see the way I treat my family, and they see my maturity, even as a young man, all right? Number one. Number two, I come in the room, you know, I, I, I stand, and I rise in the presence of those with gray hair, right? I show deference, uh, you know, I create a safe, you know, and respectful environment for them to enter. I'm the last one, I'm the first one to stand, the last one to sit down, even as the pastor, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I ensure that all have what they need. I, I'm showing, showing deference to those who are older than me. Now, respect has been shown. We're sitting down and it's time for the meeting. I say something like this. All right, here, here's propositional language. I think in action. Okay, well, thank you all for your time today. As you know, I deeply appreciate all that you do for our church. But more importantly, I appreciate all that you've done. I know I've only been here a few years compared to many of you, not just on earth, but in this church. Yeah. It's been my delight during my few years in this church to learn about all the great things each of you have done for decades to make this church what it is. I truly believe that to honor your labor, your sacrifice, and your commitment to this church, that is my responsibility and the responsibility of those who come behind me to protect and further that legacy. That matters to me. I believe that matters to God. Scripture says, you know, uh, to give honor to whom honor is due. And I acknowledge that I'm in a room full of people to whom honor is due.
Now, there's one way I think that we can best honor you and also continue the great work that you've been doing for so long. And that way is for us to think through how to make our worship space a space that, be, that, is, that is more appealing to people of different generations. Now, I've called you here today because I really want to hear from you how to do that. But before we do that, here's some things I do want to say. Mm-hmm. It's God's house. And we're going to continue to worship the Lord in his church. The sanctuary is sacred and holy. And we're going to make sure to keep it there, just like the temple was in Solomon's day. Sunday is a day for worship. Jesus rose on Sunday. And from the beginning of the church, we've been worshiping on Sunday. All of these things are important to me and will be maintained. In addition to these things, I'll add that Paul told us to become all things to all men. And just like you've done for decades, all I'm asking you to do now is the same thing you've already done to put what's best for this church first. I truly believe that you have the heart to do it, as do I. Let's come together. How can we make this happen in a way that benefits all people? Man, I'm I'm ready for the renovation. Uh, You got me me sold, man. Uh, What did I do? I just, propositional language is very clear. Tell me what you're talking about and then talk about what you told me. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you very directly. You have in this church. You've done it for decades. It's factual, right? right. You've been alive longer than I have. You've been yeah. in this church longer than I have. I study what you've done. I honor what you've done. And I believe you want to honor what you've done. And this right. is what has to say about it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, that, that's very helpful, you know. Um, and, and it kind of builds on what they've done, you know, and, and that's what I, I mean, I've even tried that when we try to bring stuff before the church is go back in the history of the church and see, Hey, has this ever happened before? You know, so you can say, Mm -hmm. you know what, this is something y'all have already been doing, you know? And, uh, so, so that's very good. And, and I like the, uh, the idea of these focus groups. Mm-hmm. because it allows you to listen to the people and not only that but it, it it allows them to kind of take the lead and you can say hey you know what this is not my idea this is something that you know this 30 year old has has brought up as as an address an issue that needs to be to be thought about you know and and yeah. so it, it's amazing how what can happen with a little bit of listening and a little bit of food, a little bit of fellowship, you know, uh, the great things that, uh, that, that can happen. Uh, well, man, I, I appreciate you, uh, spending some time with us and, uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can all get along better now, you know, it's, it's going to be great, man. Uh, but, uh, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, and if, if everybody pick up this book so we can all get along, you know, But uh, thank you for listening to King the Builders and have a great day.
Thank you for listening to Kingdom Builders, discovering how to live on mission for God. Make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends on Facebook and your social media streams. And also, if you feel led to, to invest in Kingdom Builders by following the link below, which will allow us to continually improve your listening experience. And also, part of the proceeds goes to impact missions around the world so you can build the kingdom of God as you listen to the Kingdom Builders podcast. Thank you and have a great week.